in the business world, all of these people that have now come to their home offices, they're loving what we love and that's the autonomy and the freedom of their schedule. But everyone is missing that real world component and being able to interact with people and they... Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. elementary teachers drove around they brought some of the police cars and uh fire trucks through the neighborhood with the teachers that's cool yeah pretty cool that's super cool that's really nice well you guys are you guys are hitting me on a good day today man the etsu board of trustees approved my mine and and a handful of other folks uh promotions today nice oh congrats so I'm I'm a full professor now. I'm the highest peak of the academic ladder. Congratulations. That Thank is you. awesome. It We're is awesome. We have a virtual man. party here. 14. So I had my tears a little earlier today. Um for 14 years at it, you know, and that process is brutal. It, it's uh you know, I started my my application for promotion in September. September 15th and it goes through committees and deans and people can express how much they don't like you. And you know, does that really happen? Yeah. Yeah. I oh, mean, I, I got, I got brutal. dinged. I got dinged along. I mean, I don't have any problem being transparent about everything. I got dinged along the way by my college, my college, you know, I had some papers that were in review and, and they said, well, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're an amazing teacher, you know, your evidence of your teaching, you know, so everything, the report card for, for act for the academic space is teaching research and service. Right. And so you have, uh, you get measured based on the expectations in those three arenas and you have to be able to get to a bar and all three of them. And, and it's really not enough to be, um, and this is where lots of like what I do is just is different um, because you know I, you can be an excellent teacher, you can be uh, an amazing you know service person and per- somebody that's just doing stuff for the community and industry and whatever. Um, but if you're not if you're also not doing enough research or mm. you know you, you you can't get promoted and um, and a lot of the stuff that I do crosses in between service and and research. Um, you know when I get Ask like I'm going to be at the Midwest Digital Marketing Conference, um, virtual conference, which is happening in May, and um, you know that's a that's a peer-reviewed invitation, you know, kind of thing. But what what happens when when what happens when the the person that runs it has a committee and they say, actually, we would like just for you to be a speaker. We're you know, this is a topic we want you to be. So now is that not service? Do I don't I don't get I don't yeah. get a research. I don't get the because I didn't <laughs> submit a, a paper to it. I got actually asked to be a speaker at it, 
it's no longer. So anyways, it's those kinds of yeah. things. So, so, um, and then it's, there's always politics and stuff too. So, um, but you know, my Dean, my, my president, my provost, um, they all tend to like me. So that's good. I think I do good I, stuff. So. I, I, I guess, uh, I guess every industry kind of has that, uh, I don't know, maybe that's a realistic expectation in academia for, for us in the digital analytics space, they say, oh, you, you do analytics. So that means. Uh, you know front-end development inside and out. It means you can do really deep analysis. You're probably also great with data visualization. And while well, you're a statistician and you can craft personalization, like, I don't know anybody that is great at all of those at once. That's right. really hard to do, you know? Right. right. And I mean, if I, you know, if I was, uh, you know, I just would put quotes around your, your typical academic, which there's nothing wrong with being a typical academic. Um, but I mean, if I if I spent my time really focused on, um, publishing excess, you know, a lot in peer reviewed journals, which I do, but I don't maybe, I mean, not, maybe not as much as some of my colleagues think I should do. Um, I wouldn't, th then there's an opportunity cost. Right. Um, and there's no question to what I'm about. I'm about, um, transforming what I do in, in the education and in the classroom, um, for student outcomes. That's, I mean, that's what I got into this for. That's what, that's what drives me. Um, that's really what I'm about. That's what drives me, you know, to connect my students to you guys and, um, and, and others like you. And, and this is a, the, the, the position that I, I'm in, the position I'm in and the, and the, um, the field, the space that we're in, um, you know, it's, it's so, it moves so rapidly. And I just, I'm someone that firmly believes that if you don't have your foot in it. You just can't bring value. And I think, you know, what's happening with COVID and, and everything in higher ed is this is, this is the accelerant that COVID is the accelerant for what we have. And I think I wrote you guys, I mean, weeks ago and said, you know, the whole virtual office thing that you guys have been talking about for years, this is the accelerant, right? Um, we're going, we're all going to, at some point, we're going to get to a normalcy, whatever that means. But it'll get close to you know whatever life was like before all this. It'll be changed, but but the point is that there'll be a lot of things that will be different, you know, mm -hmm. just because we've we'll we will have figured out. Wow, it's actually more efficient for me. I mean, it's so much more efficient for me to have department meetings on Zoom, and I never thought about doing that before. And I can record them. Like I, you know, somebody can't make it. I just go, oh yeah, just watch the recording. It's fine. I don't have to try to re, you know, uh, figure out. 15, 20 people schedules so that everybody can be there, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, one of the things I'm starting to hear about that, which I think this, you know, everyone being forced to work remotely, I think is going to support is people leaving the city or like close proximity to the big cities and moving, moving out. Like I'm starting to hear the rumblings of almost like a, an exodus of city living. Now, does that mean, people will never live in the city again. No, but I think you're going to see a lot more people moving to the suburbs and not just the, 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 the suburbs close to the city, but I'm talking like the suburbs out, maybe being an hour and a half to two hours outside of a major metropolitan area, because now that they've been able to prove that they can work remotely or not just work, maybe it's, it's even education in, in, in your case, you know, they, they're able to complete what they need to complete remotely 
you know, they maybe just need to drive in once a week versus being there five days a week. Yeah, totally. Totally. That's what, um, I'm still working for up siren Marine and, um, we just hired a new CMO who is awesome. Her name's Kate McKay. She came from Hasbro. Um, and, uh, you know, I was talking to her about this and, and, uh, she said, you know, she was, she was telecommuting, um, part of the week anyway for Hasbro for a long time. So she was kind of like, you know, I mean, I'm not used to being in the office every day, you know? Um, and, and so I think that that's just like you're saying, Jim, I mean, entirely, you know, out of the office and, and we all know people, well, you guys clearly, um, but, but even, you know, a lot of the folks in our business in the tech space and, um, in, in the, the space that we can, we're in together, um, they, they may be on the road for especially sales folks. I mean, they're on the road 60, 50, 60. I mean, that's why I talk to my, my sales friends and they're just like, they're dying because they, they don't like they're on the road and they don't like being on the road. But then when they're not on the road, they're like, Oh my God, they I, miss have it. To, I have to get on the road. You know, <laughs> um, me, I'm like, no, please. You know, I, I'm, I'm good. Jason, Jason, I know you're a road warrior. You just, you love, you love traveling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, it, it's a, it's a funny thing. I was, um, I was talking with a, a local, local entrepreneur here in Utah yesterday and he, he asked me, he's like, so what's the first thing that you're going to do, um, when, when this thing kind of settles out somewhere? And I said, uh, I've actually started buying a few things for, uh, my car to start doing road trips. And not just any like named destination. I've actually met a lot of amazing people in small little towns. I would never go to as a destination that I'm going to make an excuse to go there. There's a, a guy up in Grace, Idaho, a town of like probably three or 4,000 people that has a restaurant. I'm going to make a trip just to go hang out at his restaurant. Yeah. And I I'm so excited about, about doing that. Um, you know, I've done a lot of road trips in the past, but it was always about destinations and it was seeing how fast I can get from A to B. And yeah. it's like, there's so much amazing stuff that happens along the way. Why not just go slow and enjoy it? So no, I, I don't like traveling for traveling sake, but it's actually one of the first things I'm looking forward to is, is just kind of driving and just enjoying being out. You know, I think we're, we're appreciating all, all of the uh, freedoms of movement that we had that yeah. were quickly taken away and we realize how how much we need that even as like someone like me that's an extreme introvert like I'm craving it i miss going out to 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 lunch with my friends and sitting in a restaurant and i think it's amazing to see all of the pivots that everyone's doing to cope um but i still miss some of the just close human contact you know yeah well, so. Suzanne and I had a very similar conversation maybe a week ago or so, maybe even two weeks ago. Um, and I, the well, first thing I told her was, is after this is over, she and I are definitely doing more traveling. We're, we're, we're going to make it a point to use my work flexibility, then her time off in the summer to, to go places. But then I said, like, I'm going to find like local coffee shops to work at more often. You know, for me, I, I'd always get heads down during the day and just always work out of the home office. I'm going to take advantage and I'm going to try to bake it into my schedule where I just go and hang out at, at a coffee shop or some kind of co-working space locally once a week, even just for a few hours, just to, to get out of the house. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. We, we always say that we have all this freedom and flexibility as a remote home, you know, remote work from home, work from wherever. And then we never really fully take advantage of it. I, that's one of the things I'm hoping that we, we realize coming out of this is that we have so many like flexibilities and freedoms, but we oftentimes don't take advantage of it. And, and it's everything from just freedom of movement to, I, I was talking to a few friends the other day. I said, you know what? I'm so upset at myself that we have this long list of things that, you know, we were going to go up and have a campfire and hang out. We were going to go here, but it was always like, eh, you know, I have this meeting, I have this, and then we never got to it. And it's like, we, we got to stop doing that. We have yeah. to, we have to enjoy, you know, we're, we're putting in a lot of work, you know, you, you put in a tremendous amount of work to, to get this latest promotion. We, we have to enjoy the journey as well. You know, that's right. I mean, for me, it's like uh, playing music with my buddies. I mean, I, I have, uh, you know, my best friends are musicians and, and, you know, like you, Jason, I, I, and you know, I don't know about you, Jim, but I mean, I, I am, a, I am really a hardcore introvert and I'm very good at external things, you know? And so people miss, they confuse me for someone who is really extroverted, you know? Um, I'm just happen to be really, really good at, in present presenting and, and being around people. And it's not that I don't like people, but it wears me out. You know, when I would, when I was doing, um, stuff with Adobe and, and, um, going around the country and having dinners and all these kinds of things, I enjoyed that work so much, but man, you know, that kind of stuff wears me out. And my mom gives me a hard time because she's like, Oh, you're so extroverted. And I'm like, no, you know I mean? When I was in grad school, I had people next door to me who would call me and they go, Dave and Dave and Angela and uh, and they would call me and they go, Steve, your car hasn't moved in a week. Are you are you alive? Because I was by I lived by myself. I wasn't married, you know, and um, and, and it's like, yeah, I mean, and I really like I could have entire weeks where I would walk. The only time I see people would be walking my dog and, and especially during the summer because I was just completely content, like, you know, um, but I like now I sit there and I go, damn, you know, I wish I would, I wish I'd make more time playing music with my buddies. Cause those are like my best friends. Those are the people that can see me for like the 12 year old that I pretty much have <laughs> like all the time, you know, um, they get to, they get the real view of me, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and I, I need that release too, you know? Yeah. Um, we all do. So, yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. It is. It is. And I, so I, I apologize for, I, I feel guilty for eating in front of you guys. I, but I haven't had a chance to eat and this calzone is so amazingly good. Um, and, and speaking of the, so the calzone, uh, it's been amazing to see how everyone has supported and tried to figure out a new way of, of doing things. So, you know, a company like, like this, they didn't have any kind of curbside pickup. They had to quickly spin it up and make it work. And it's amazing how smooth these, excuse me, these things are operating. Um, what are, what are you seeing? What are, what are you doing? I guess personally and, and what's ETSU doing, um, to kind of help make it a new or a different experience again. And I can't, I, you know, I was running late to the podcast. We just had the, you know, the, the teachers run through the neighborhood and waved to all the kids. It's, you know, we have to be flexible and creative. Um, interested oh, in kind of what you're doing. Yeah. So, um, so we, we had a really interesting transition, I think. Uh, the timing for us was really excellent. We, we had spring break 
Um, I don't have my calendar, my March up here, but we had spring break the second week of March. And so just as things were like really ramping up, we got to a point like a few days before spring break where we were having some pretty significant meetings saying, we don't think we're going to end up having students come back. And, um, and so that timing was really excellent for us. And I think it was excellent for our entire area, just being in Northeast Tennessee. Um, because, you know, when you have spring break, you have people that, you know, we have almost 15,000 people, uh, students at our university. And you know, we have a med school, pharmacy school and everything too. And so, um, so you didn't have that mass exodus and then mass return, you know, mm. where everybody, you know, and we're a regional university. So a lot of folks aren't going to go real far, but you know, some people are going to go do their spring break thing. Right. You know, and we all saw the videos of of what that could look like in different yeah. places in the country. And so um, so our university. So, you know, East Tennessee State was really smart to get in front of it. I think really, really, I mean, the leadership really has done a great job um, and and basically said, like, just a couple of days before spring break, if you live in the dorms, please take whatever items you think you might need. Not, not necessarily move out, but just please take whatever items you think you might need if for some chance you were not going to come back. Um, and, and I can't, you know, I can't remember the, I'm kind of paraphrasing what I remember, but, but that was basically it. And then the next week, you know, while everybody was gone and it wasn't like this was like, let's wait until everyone's gone to decide this. It was just kind of like how everything was transpiring, you know, because there were new news every single day and, Still um, is, it seems like. Huh? Still, yeah, still is, you know. And so, um, so I think that you know the university was was really smart. I I I basically, as you know, the chair of a department, we got about four hundred students that study with us. Um, and, you know, I've got close to twenty folks that were, you know, that are that are, that are colleagues. And um, so we, I just basically said, look, it, we're we're going to shut everything down. Like, you know, we're not going to let students check out gear over spring break because we have you know, thousands of pieces of gear, cameras, microphones, all kinds of stuff um, that, you know, part that if you study journalism or filmmaking and that kind of stuff with us, you're, you have access to that gear. And, um, and the last thing we want is like a whole bunch of people to go do whatever they're going to do and bring back a whole bunch of contaminated gear. Right. We, again, we don't, at, at that time, we don't know like how long is this stuff? How do you got to clean it? You know, like all these different things. Um, but I mean, we also had events and, and, um, you know, summit was shut down. Like Adobe was very early and, and, and very progressive as they are, um, to, to say no summit, you know, and we had a bunch of students that were going to summit. Um, I was teaching at summit again, um, you know, uh, all day workshop. And so, uh, so all those kinds of things happening and seeing those, that stuff happen, um, really, I think you know, made us be, uh, I think we're really one of the, one of the better universities in the sense of how we decided and move, move forward with stuff. And, um, and still to this till, still right now, we are not to, you know, we've been asked to not have any engagement with students until August 15th, like face-to-face -face engagement. Um, mm -hmm. no events on campus. Um, you know, uh, we first shut down international travel and then all travel. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that has been, I think, really smart. I think the other side of it is, oh my gosh, how do you transition a biology lab to online? 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you transition a capstone filmmaking class to online, you know, um, how does, you know, and then also just kind of like, um, the, the professors that, you know, I mean, I, I'm full professor now, so I can wear pajamas to, to work and, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I was tenured, I've been tenured for seven years, so I, I could have done that already. But, um, but the point is that, uh, you know, you have people that just go, I'm not going to adopt technology. You know, I mean, I know of people on campus who don't, who, who refuse to lear, use the learning management system of our university. I mean, before any of this, just like, I'm not using that. Like, that's not how I teach, you know, or, or not really responding to emails, you know, and, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and now all of a sudden, yeah, you've actually got to take all three of the classes you're teaching online. And so, and so really trying to put in all the different pieces of the puzzle to make sure that the folks that can be adopters can be adopters um, and helping those folks. And then the students also, um, because we're a regional university in Appalachia and, um, you know, 30% of our students are that graduate are first time college students, first time in their family, college students. So, so they don't have the support of somebody in their, in their, you know, uh, family circle that can say, yeah, keep on going, Billy, you know, you, this is going to be worth it to you, you know, because they just like, they don't have that support. And now all of a sudden they also don't have a job, right? All these students, they don't have jobs. Like most of them are doing some kind of service gig, um, you know, gig worker of some sort, and they don't have jobs. And now, wait a second, I don't have a job. I'm now living back at home. And now you want me to be in class at 1115 on Tuesday. And this is kind of like the bottom of the priority list for me right now. I am actually trying to survive. Um, and so it's really like we've moved to, um, like a lot of universities, we've moved to pass-fail options for students. Um, and again, I think we've been pretty progressive. My wife works for uh, uh, University of Louisville. She te- she's, she's been teaching online, she's for, and that's what she does for them. And so she's been really helping a lot of her, her colleagues kind of transition into it. But, but they basically, they adopted that pretty early. Um, and, and you, you know, you really can take any class pass fail, but you have to declare that that's what you want to do at the beginning of a semester. And then me as a professor, I wouldn't know if you're taking it pass fail or if you're taking it for a regular grade. And, and so you just get your grade in my class. And then it's just, if you took my class pass fail and I gave you a D you'd get a pass. And if you got an A, you get a pass. And I wouldn't know. I just put in the A and it just, you know, it magically happened. Yeah. Um, and so uh, uh, now what we've done, which I think is really, uh, again, I think, you know, hats off to ETSU, basically told students, you can finish the class. And then if you, once you get your grade, you have, I think they were giving them two weeks to decide, you know, if that D in Marshall's class, if you don't want that, you can, you can change that to a pass. So kind of given that, and I think that's like a great way for these students to be able to, you know, feel a little bit more relaxed about things. For um, sure. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate that the folks that, that I get my colleagues, um, I don't have really any students complaining about the transition and, but I mean, I'm in a technological department and, um, 
you know, and, and we have a lot of, you know, we have a great relationship with Adobe. So we had, um, every, so all of our students have creative cloud, um, you know, and so they didn't, they don't need the lab to go do their work. They could, they could do a lot of that work in that kind of a space. Um, so, so that was really good. But again, going back to like, if you're chemistry or biology, um, you know, how do you, how do you do that? You know, how do you transition? And then on top of it, you know, how do you transition the content, but then how do you transition the person that's responsible for delivering the content to be able to be in the, the, the space of the, the recipient, the customer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, that's a bad word in education. I, I, <laughs> I don't think it is, but I mean, some of my colleagues may disagree with that, but these are, these are all customers. And I think that's where we're going to really see, um, universities recognize budgets and I mean, not to say that they don't, but you know, I mean, universities were already having, I mean, I, you know, I was on the road with Adobe as the industry expert for higher education for, for DX, for the experience cloud for a couple of years. So, I mean, my, my uh, colleague there, Jonathan Hammond, he liked to say, you know, universities will spend $60 million building a building but they won't spend $500,000 creating a, a, you know, for an SLA to create a great digital experience. And now all of a sudden you better be thinking about that. That's yeah. the accelerant, right? Like, cause, because if, because the ones that the schools that were doing that before, they're going to thrive. And the schools that are laggards are going to die. I mean, that's it's like, just, it's like, it's like the business world as well. Yeah. I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of parallels there. I'm, uh, I'm incredibly sad that, uh, we, we didn't have summit in person because I think, um, I think we could have talked for eight straight hours and I would have barely scratched the surface on things I want to pick your brain about. Yeah, so as, as, uh, so maybe, maybe next year, maybe I, I need to take a trip out when we can travel. That would be an epic road trip. Um, and as you're talking, I'm trying to, I'm trying to prioritize in my head all the follow-up questions that I, I want to ask you. So um, I'm not sure where to start, but I have a couple. So you mentioned uh, learning management systems. Uh, right. You know, we're we're seeing those really get pushed to their limits right now. Um, elementary, secondary, higher ed. You know, everyone's trying to make this this work. I I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on what the future for technology in learning looks like. Um, so my, my high school student, who's a senior hats off to the teachers, you know, they were thrown in a pretty much no win situation to try to, to make this happen. They have been probably working more hours than they've ever worked before to make this happen. Uh, but it, it's, it's clunky, you know, it's like three or four different technologies that they have to log into and manage and navigate. And, I, I saw my, my student struggling. He's like, I don't know. Do I log into this one or how do I go over here? Like, what does this mean? What, what does the future look like for learning management systems? Speaking about experiences where uh, do you think this is going to be the accelerant to push them to provide a, a better experience across the board? Yeah, absolutely. Jim and I were talking about that too, before you got on. I mean, just, uh, and, and we all, I mean, I think all three of us just agree 100% on that. I mean, it's like all of a sudden, you've never taught online. And now a week later, you're teaching everything online. Like, 
you're you're awesome you like i mean mm-hmm. to, to just to be yeah. able to to try to to swim in that and at the same time like for i mean i have a you know a kindergartner so um clunky is like not even the word for it just because and i mean he he has I mean, he's at one of the highest rated schools it's on our campus it's a year-round school um in the state and so i mean the teachers there are amazing his teacher is freaking unbelievably amazing um but you have like when i get into his google classroom i see their music and art and counseling like okay did the counselor really need to put a put a put a, a you know a, a portal in here for my kindergartner are they going to are they going to have some deep conversations you know, how does that make you feel um you know i'm just kidding but you know i mean so but i think you kind of had the way i looked at it was you kind of had all these people that said oh my gosh how do i do what i do and i'm going to go try to find the things that will help me do what i do and i and now we're just going to throw everything at these kids right and that's just and that's just a product of what happened it's not like anybody's fault um i think to your question the learning management system that student that we're going to need the way that we need to think about it, it's not necessarily just the learning management system it's just the approach you know it's it's being able to um have engagement in experiences um you know I, it's it, there's plenty of research and there's plenty of support around the fact that if you just put stuff on some people just think online learning is just putting up a slide deck and some chapters that you need to read and take a test, you know, and that's online learning. Um, that's, that's horrible. You know, um, some people think it's just like canned things. So like, I'm going to pre-record this and then, then, then I'm going to put up the slide deck and, and, and now that's learning, right. Or it's just the discussion boards. Right. And so, um, I've been, you know, I've been doing this stuff for, I've been teaching more than 10 years online, at least every semester at least one class. Right. Um, and I mean, I, and I don't think I, I, I clearly don't feel like I have everything figured out because it's not in my mind space to ever think that I have much of anything figured out. But, but I do think that, um, you know, I never have canned, I, I never have canned lectures. You know, I have very few canned lectures. I mean, every week I get in, I have some kind of asynchronous class. I record it. I ask students to ask questions. I give feedback when discussion board kinds of things. I don't just sit there and have, you know, it's really a lot of learning management systems. The heartbeat of that experience is a discussion board. And so, you know, you post a question and then it's just a, you know, it's a, um, what you call it. It's a group. Um, ah, what's the web, the website that has the like Reddit or whatever, you know, like that kind of a format, right? Um, so you just have these threads and, um, and you're, and you're just, um, you know, it's kind of bulletin board, whatever. Um, but, but like, does never like as an instructor, I hate, I hate those things because if I have 20 students and they all answer something, I'm trying to figure out something creative to say to each one of them. And by the time I get to the fifth student, I'm like, uh, I'm running out of juice here, you know, cause, cause it's like, you basically said exactly what this third student said, but I got to figure out a way to make you feel like I paid attention to you differently um, or like I want to bring some new knowledge. And so what I did was like early on, it's like, you know what, the more efficient way to do this is to go, 
Okay, this is a question I asked everybody. I really in a video format like this, right? This is a question I asked everybody, and I really like what you know what Jim said about this topic. You know, one of the things that he pulled out on this, Jim and Jason also had very similar answers in what they said, and then you know, bringing in ex ex examples and and different kinds of things from the web to try to like number one, when people like the feedback I've gotten from that is just like people like to hear their name. Right. They like to, they like, they want to, they want to actually see the class because they want to see, did, did, did Steve say something about me to that this time? You know? Um, and then again, it's just like, it's, it's not canned and you can't teach. And, and the other part of it is you can't teach our stuff canned because whatever I taught last year at this time, it's a little different. It's not like, yeah. it's not like changed like crazy, but there's some new vendor or there's some new, enhancement to something or you know there's a better way to do something and um you know and if you're if you're taking a digital marketing class and you're watching videos that were recorded three years ago it's not a good class you know yeah. Yeah. um so so i think the learning management system of that that the experience let's just call it the experience i think the learning management system is one piece of it i think it's it's how do we create interactive experiences with students mm -hmm. and deliver it in a way that they expect the experiences to be delivered, you know? It, yeah. It's, it, it's such an important point. Um, I think across industries, um, you know, we're, we're, we're focusing on, on education, higher ed, but we're seeing something similar to what you described happening in lots of companies, be it, you know, you have companies panicking right now that never really, invested heavily in that digital footprint they you know they had a, they had a site up and sure there was pieces of their ecosystem there and now they're being forced to do everything digitally and a lot of them are taking the approach of well let's just take what we did offline and jam it into a digital container and it just it doesn't work you know you have to think about how this is a new experience and a new interaction and you have to really um cultivate that experience in a digital world. It takes a lot of thought and a lot of deliberate action to, to make that happen. Yeah. And I think education for a long time, I mean, um, there's a guy that I have a serious man crush on, uh, Scott Galloway, and um, he's an NYU professor at Stern and, and uh, got a great podcast called Pivot with uh, Kara Swisher from the New York Times. Um, but, um, you know, Scott Galloway was one of the first people that I heard say, um, and I, I mean, again, like, I, I just think this has been a time coming. If you went and saw me two years ago, speaking about experience cloud for Adobe in higher ed, you would have heard a lot, a lot of this same thing. Um, it's just this, this is education is a education and healthcare are two of the biggest disruptable industries, um, in the sense of customer experience. And, um, and because, you know, education forever has just been, we got the same model. You come, you should come study with us. You should pay your money, you know, and, and now all of a sudden, you know, with online, the, there is, there are no, like we were talking about, there are no, there are no boundaries, borders. Right. Um, yeah. you know, and, and, um, I can go study anywhere and I'm going to go study where I'm going to get the very best experience and where I'm also going to get the very best credentials. Right. Because, Basically, as much as universities don't like to even talk about it, I mean, 
when you are getting, you know, an, an education, you're getting certified just that, and it's not like you're getting a cert, a, you know, Google certification or something. Um, although like we like to bring those into our, what well, we do. Um, but, but the thing is, uh, you're getting a stamp of a stamp on you that says I'm trainable. I can work hard. I can get along with others. I can navigate things. Um, I have a breadth of knowledge, uh, in liberal arts and I am somebody that is going to follow through because if you're going to get a degree, you have to do all those things, regardless of what kind of degree you get. And, um, I think that's going to get challenged because you do have schools that have been trying to be in the online space that have, you know, are degree mills. Um, and you know, I'm not going to name any of them. They, a few, a few of them are, are for-profit ones and they're not really the ones that you would think of either because those are, those can be pretty good. Um, but, but there are some of them that are just degree mills and, you know, um, and those, those guys are going to get squashed and, a lot of these universities that try to, to create revenue from other things. I mean, we're, we're just giving back as ETSU millions of dollars for dorms and food plans, right? Refunding. And because these students are not, they're not on campus right? You know, and they've prepaid and that's right. the right thing to do. But, um, but that ends up being that's part of the, the of the ecosystem of the university. So what happens when that ecosystem goes away, you know, and what happens when budgets start to shrink down and that class that you taught that was like super focused on whatever discipline you do and it had five students. Right. So it wasn't like a it's not like crushing moneymaker deal. It's like the higher ed, you know, it can be that very, very deep dive something, right? Um, those things are going to be threatened because the big lecture classes and the classes that were those revenue generators, they offset those other things. You know, they offset some of those topics that are, that are not necessarily the most popular um, topics or, or even the most like, um, you know, things that people are going to, on, you know, you're not going to get hired, you know, because of um, some of these things that you might study or some of these classes you might study that you just might be curious about because you want to learn more about. I'm afraid those kinds of things might start disappearing because we're not going to put this faculty member that makes X amount of money to teach these five students. We're going to not hire these adjuncts to teach the bigger classes so that we're going to and we're going to put you back into the bigger classes. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, you yeah. know, um, you know, like where my wife is, she's at one of these universities where if you make over a certain amount of money, you're, you're getting your salary cut. Um, and that's not happening at my university yet, but you know, I can, I can see that, uh, I mean, universities have been, there's 5,000 universities in the United States. Um, there's like 70 in Australia. I mean, think about that. Um, my numbers might be just a little bit off, but, but um, I mean, that, that, that's the difference is huge. And so um, how are all, how do all those universities survive? You know, especially when a university like Purdue can merge with a for-profit and then take the Purdue brand and, and say, we're nonprofit, 
we're Purdue and you can, you can study with us anywhere. Yeah. That's freaking. And, and I, it, it is. And I want to follow up on it. I have a, I have a question I'm going to ask before, but I want to um, put this out there. So I don't forget uh, to ask you about your thoughts on enrollment, how this impacts enrollment and how universities are thinking about offering different products. Um, but first I want to ask you just from a selfish perspective, what you, you guys are thinking about fall semester. Um, so I have a senior, um, he's planning to play soccer um, at a school two states away in the fall. The transition from senior year to freshman in college is incredibly difficult, let alone throwing this on top of it with so many right. unknowns. I, you know, he's nervous. He's like, am I even going to go to school now? Like what happens to my soccer scholarship? Like all of this stuff. And it's, it's, it's difficult. So I'm interested in, in kind of what you're thinking fall semester and what the school is doing to help um, incoming freshmen through a time that's already difficult for, for them to make that transition. Yeah, that's a great question. I think that we're just kind of checking out what's happening. I think we're like, to answer your question, we're full speed ahead. So, you know, we have no, we have no plan of not being open and not doing what we would be doing now. That's all very much subject to change, you know? And, um, when I was thinking of, when I was, you know, thinking about the topic for this and getting on with you guys, um, I was going to do a whole bunch of prepping, but then I took a nap. Um, but it's always, um, it's always better when we just come on, like, but I, but I did, I did run up on, on a, um, on a chronicle of higher education list of students of schools. And I think this is per particularly pertinent to what you're asking. So like Boston university leaning towards in-person Brown university leaning towards in-person, um, California state university starting fall semester online. Um, Center College block scheduling, so they're actually changing how they deliver the 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 the, the um you know uh, parameters of how time of how they deliver deliver content. Clemson using University very very progressive, very great um, CIO there, um, exploring a, a range of scenarios from in person classes to entirely online. So basically, at ETSU, what we have what we've been told is that we are moving ahead just as we would but be prepared to be hybrid if necessary you know so if we have to go you know four weeks or the rest of the, of the fall semester because the flu and you know all these different scenarios that we're hearing about on the news happen then be ready to say okay we're going to flip the switch and we're going to be we're going to be online for the rest of the semester um you know so i think that and we are one of these universities that has been threatened for a long time. I mean, we're one of these universities that in the sense of our enrollment, we have, we have a, 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 an awesome president who has come in with a very aggressive agenda to grow our campus and to grow our enrollment. Um, and we have not been successful doing that. And there's a lot of external and internal factors to that, that, that really we shouldn't, we don't need to talk about so much. Not like, not that I'm not afraid of talking about it, but it's just, in the weeds. But I think the thing is that you, you, you have, um, you, you have these concerns about budget and keeping, how do we keep the, you know, we're, we've just been operating on keeping the lights on. And, you know, right now is when we would be bringing all these students like, like, you know, like your, like your, your, your kid 
um, on campus to for for orientation and and all those things, right? And so now we're doing like orientation and advising virtually, and um, you know, and I'm hearing and reading things about um, students taking a gap year just to figure out what what might happen, you know, and that I think that's a very real trend, and that is going to be. Uh, uh, very detrimental to universities because all of a sudden, if you pull out a whole bunch of, of started, you know, you pull out two, 2,500 kids out of our, you know, incoming freshman class and you pull out, you know, we, we're one of those campuses that you have to live on campus your, your first year. You have to have the meal plan. Like you have to do all these things. What happens to all the jobs that are surrounded by, yeah. with that, you know? And I mean, so this has just been, I can tell you as a chair, like I've had to tell my dean, like my dean sent out a note and said, we need to know who your second command and your third command is just in case you get sick and your second command gets in sick, gets sick. You know, um, it's kind of, that's just crazy. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, Jim, you're going to have to keep us honest on time because I can just keep going and going and going. But I do want to ask a two-part question around, um, what, what do you see this having from an impact perspective on enrollment numbers? Um, not just ETSU, but just higher ed in general. And a follow-up to that, um, are, are universities starting to talk about having different measures other than um, enrollment for four-year degrees? Are, are there going to be other types of learning products and solutions that universities would will look to pivot to in order to help smooth out some of these disruptions that that may continue for for a year or two oh i yeah the answer to all that is yes i think that you know when you have a school that has a 18 percent acceptance rate they they clearly have an opportunity to be successful um because even at even at the let's just call it the worst education experience possible. Um, not, and I'm not talking about that university, but just in general, right? Um, because it's, it's, it's all, it's, it's the total normal curve, right? I mean, you have, you have the people who are just going to be super innovative and they're going to be like just crushing it in the sense of how they deliver that product. But then you're going to have your, your early, you know, your normal folks, and then you're going to have the laggards that are going to just be the ones that like, oh, I never looked at email before and I'm not going to start now. So, you know, um, and I think that what you're going to see across the board will be lots of private universities that are liberal arts universities disappearing. Um, but that was predicted before COVID. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to accelerate this. And then what I think you're going to see you're going to see these these super brands, right? I mean, they are luxury brands. Um, you're going to see the super brands who have those very low acceptance rates um, that are going to be going. You know what? We could take our brand and our product online, and we could infuse a whole bunch of capital into an amazing learning management experience, and we could hire people from Amazon and from Google and from you know, Adobe and Apple and stuff. And we can hire those people to deliver this ridiculously awesome education experience. And, and, and we could scale it, you know, um, in a lot of ways, you know, you, you, the Southern New Hampshire model 
is uh, the Southern New Hampshire model. When you look at their their growth curve, I mean, is exponential, unbelievable. When you look at how they've done things, they've taken a, a nonprofit brand that's a you know it's a real. It's not like somebody just made up the university, um, but but none of us really knew about it until they started spending all right. this money advertising and stuff, and um, and they do a really good job with um, with what the product they offer, the people that they hire. Um, you know, uh, all those kinds of things. I mean, I've, I, like I said, I mean, when I was doing that role for Adobe, I had to talk to them a little bit, um, about that and, and, um, those kinds of things, you know, uh, Western governors is another one that, um, has, has looked at education from a price perspective and said, you know, we're going to be like a really great deal for somebody. We're going to deliver a really great product. Um, again, a nonprofit, you know, we think of some of these, we think of anything that we see on TV, we go, that's must be a for-profit. That must be a Phoenix. Right. Um, and, uh, and, it, and, they're, and they're not. Um, and I, so I think, you, you know, I think we're going to see the mega, the mega luxury brands that are going to go, okay, this is a great opportunity to take, you know, the, the, the California system or, or whatever, you know, um, I mentioned Purdue. Purdue is, you know, if if I give you a choice, I'm going to give you a degree. I'm going to pay for your degree. You can go to the University of Phoenix or you can go to Purdue. I mean, again, like University of Phoenix, nothing wrong with it. There's, 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 they do some good stuff, right? But, but in terms of your own personal brand, yeah, like, you know, which one are you going to, you know, if, if I'm going to say to you, you know, you can go to ETSU or you go to MIT. I mean, well, that's that's a much harder that's a much harder one to uh, choose between, right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. So you know, I mean, those, are, those are the those are the kinds of things that I think we're going to be struggling with. You know, yeah, um, because because we're going to be competing against that that product. Now, I can also say to you, like knowing the politics of what happened at Purdue, um, there was not you know the faculty senate at Purdue was not. Um, in favor of how they did that. And I still don't know the, the current status of that, but they really, the, the faculty Senate thought this is going to water down our brand. You know, it's not going to end up being the Purdue that people know about for engineering and computer science and, and uh, entrepreneurialism. It's going to end up being a watered down brand. Um, so, you know, but I, I think that I have long thought that what a higher education needs is to bring in people that know customer experience in the retail and in the, you know, for-profit space, not for-profit education, but in the for-profit space, bring them in and start to have them ideate with educators, educators about how do we create uh, just a fantastic CX for, yeah. for higher ed, you know? Yeah, no, I, I I couldn't agree more. Um, there there's been a growing trend of of people uh, bad mouthing, I guess, for lack of a better word, higher ed that we don't we don't need it. Um, you can learn all this stuff online, and you can you can right. You can you can learn a ton. I I learn a ton online. I do too. Um, I'm a huge consumer of uh, educational videos on YouTube. Probably I I'm scared to look at my hour usage on there because it's probably insane. Um, but I, I tell them that for me, the experience of college is where my value was. 
I mean, sure, I had some good classes that I still remember, but the classes were to me secondary to that entirety of that experience. And that's something that can't be just replicated in a digital world. And that's where I think there, there is going to be some kind of in-between ground. And we're seeing it in, in both higher ed and in the business world, all of these people that have now come to their home offices, they're loving what we love and that's the autonomy and the freedom of their schedule. But everyone is missing that real world component and being able to interact with people. And they, they want kind of the best of both worlds. And, and I'm mm -hmm. assuming maybe higher ed goes down a similar path where yeah, all of this knowledge, eventually you can get online, but who's going to think about the experience of what college really is about? That's true. I mean, you know, my, I mean, undergrad at University of Florida, I mean, I, I lived, I lived that exactly what you just said. I mean, I would never want to take any of that back ever, you know, um, maybe, maybe some of the, maybe some of the run-ins with the law, but uh, other than that, you know, um, yeah, those are still, those are still moments, you know what I mean? Those are still moments that you, they, they frame who you are, but, um, but I think that we, we were all a little, uh, all a little stupid moving out and going to college for the first time. I had the police show up at my apartment because, uh, I thought it would be cool to decorate our apartment with these flasher barriers that they had at a construction site across the road. So I drug <laughs> them up to our apartment. Little did I know that at night that was flashing. And it was, you know, you could see it out the window, cops show up. And I think we all have a couple of stories where they, yeah. the cops showed up at our, at our dorm room. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the fact that, you know, I know what a taser feels like is probably, that's enough of a story for, for me to share. Well, but we'll, we'll, prob we'll probably take that story offline, although it might be a good offline story. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I think th I think that's totally right, man. I mean, it's just the, the friends and the camaraderie and all those kinds of things that that you have. And and that and that and that's probably the thing that bothers me. One of the most you know things that bothers me about this is that those students got that opportunity to walk across the stage ripped from them, you know, um, and to have that that moment, you know, for high school students, too. You know, I mean. To have that for you know for your for your son i mean to have to have that ripped out you know um that's devastating um and and trying to like we're we're doing some things right now to try to do, to create some kind of virtual thing and and i mean it's we got people that are like really smart that are doing some really great stuff but it you know it's not going to be and everybody knows that it's not going to be what it was going to be you know where like you walk in and we've got the whole you know, Star Wars music, you know, happening, the celebration, you know, that whole thing. And it's like, that's my favorite thing. I feel like I'm in Star Wars and I'm walking in with my <laughs> Harry Potter outfit on and everything. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we're not going to do that. Yeah. And um, so, so, but I think, you know, these, I really don't think that much. I really, I mean, I really have belief in the American ingenuity to solve problems and to figure out how do we do testing and how do we how do we figure out a way to um, make these environments safe because it's not just a campus environment it's like life you know um, and at the same time I'll tell you I'll, I'll share with you a feeling I had the other day when our, our state is one of these states that we're not sheltering anymore like after the 27th or something like businesses are going to open up Right. So, I mean, you know, so I think 
you have that whole kind of like a small sub subset of the population that are out there, you know, saying that kind of stuff and protesting. But, but the thing is like, when I started seeing that stuff, I thought, wow, I'm here with my wife and my son and we're sheltering in place. And we, we do what you talked about, Jason, we go get takeout and we're going to go get, I'll go get wings tonight and drink a lot of beers to celebrate my, my deal today. But, um, you know, and I'll take out and stuff, but, but I started thinking, wow, this is all going to end. And then this is going to be this moment in time that we think about two years from now, I go, remember when we were all sheltering in place Yeah. and remembering, you know, and it's going to be like this really amazing, um, this is like the, the silver lining, but it's going to be like this really amazing transformational time with tremendous sadness, clearly. Um, right, yeah. But, you know, it's going to be this time that that's going to be a changing time. It's going to be more profound than 9-11 or um, because it affects everybody. You know, I mean, when we saw the when we saw the planes fly into the building, that's in New York. I mean, profound, horrible. But, you know, I mean, I was in Gainesville, Florida. I'm like, that's in New York. You know, um, this is really scary, but not really for me because, yeah. you know, that's in New York. But this is like, you know, the guy down the street I, that 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 was in that the dad for in my son's uh, pre, pre-K, you know, he he had he's got Corona, you know, virus. So, I mean, that's like that's he's in my neighborhood. Right. We all know someone. Yeah. You know, so I think that's the that's the difference. But going back to what I was saying, it's like, wow, I mean, as hard as this is having, uh, you know, a six year old ninja in the house, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's going to stop at some point. Yeah. And so it's always just trying to go, let's just make it a good day. Like let's try to figure out how do we, how do we make this chaos that we have? I mean, I was in here in this room. um, This was a dining room, you know, at one point, and now it's like fully teaching and everything in here. I was in here one day and my wife's like, you need to get doors. You You need doors, you know? And so, so I order some doors from Lowe's and, I put them in myself and they look janky as all get out, but, um, you know, but you get, you know, you just start figuring out how do you do stuff. And yeah, I think we're figuring out we're a lot more resilient and a lot more uh, capable of solving things than we, we realize. And I think, you know, it's, it's a good thing. And I, and I agree with you. I think, you know, having all the kids home and having that family time, I, you know, it was, it's, it's good for me to reflect on, uh, because I, I felt like I had a pretty slow laid back lifestyle. Um, but it wasn't until this where I realized that I was pretty stretched thin and we were always running from A to B and just not really slowing down to just enjoy being in each other's company. And it's, you know, as, as horrible as the situation has been and, uh, you know, people that are just devastated by the impacts of this, um, I, I, I was thinking, man, I'm going to kind of miss having this slower lifestyle with the kids at home and being able to have all these experiences that maybe I wouldn't have had before, you know? I know that's, I mean, again, that's what I started thinking about. I started going, do I, do I really want this to end? I mean, I hate to say that out loud. I mean, right. but I'm just saying like it, it's in a, as a family unit, just talking about, you know, me as a family unit, not all the external terrible yeah, stuff yeah. That's happening. Right. But just like, I, this is an experience we would have never had. Yeah. And just as being tasered, um, it changes your perspective of things, you know? Yeah. And, and so there's, there's, I mean, I, the way, by the way I look at things, I mean, I got like five things in my life that I, 
I can, I, I mean, less than five things that I, I sit there and I go, was there any value? They're just, I can't find the value point of, of whatever that thing was, you know? Um, I, what did I learn from that experience? Like almost next to nothing. And if I want to stretch myself, I can try to make something up, but, mm-hmm. but otherwise like all this crappy stuff that could, you know, that's happened in all of our lives. I've found something that I go, that made me grow. That made yeah. me, you know, think about things differently. And so, yeah, no, it's, it's for sure. I, I think we're on the same wavelength. Um, I'm, I'm guessing we probably should, should wrap up. We've been going forever. And again, like, I, I think we could just go on and on and on and I will, would never get tired of, of the conversation. So I, I appreciate you willingness to come back and join us again. And again, I think your, your episodes tend to be one of our uh, most downloaded episodes. And you've probably seen some of the conversations on Twitter. People love uh, when, when you are on. So uh, really appreciate you filling us in with your, uh, with your knowledge and, and wisdom. And um, if Jim will allow it, I'd love to have you back as often as you want to come back here. Dude, I mean, I love the conversation. I mean, those are, that's all, I don't know, man. I just, I feel like I listen. you know, I listen to you guys so much. You and I, Jason, when we first started talking years ago about, you know, this, this, uh, this agenda that I, that I have that we still, I mean, we're still doing some crazy stuff and maybe we'll talk about that. Um, we've got a, um, a, a partnership with a, a company that we're, we're really bringing in a lot of, um, uh, video and, and branded content production, taking a company and mixing it with an educational institution. And that's something that I'm like, okay, now how are we going to do this, um, with all this happening? Um, and, uh, and then we just, uh, we're going to be the first accredited program from the digital marketing Institute. Um, they've got about 50,000 members across the world and they've got, you know, Google and Facebook and all these folks on the board of directors producing content. And, um, and I think that's, you know, going back to the question that you asked, I think that's part of, there's a portal there. There's a whole bunch of content that's not developed by us. It's developed by professionals that we're going to be using to help teach the stuff that we do, but also bring in all those voices in a very massive way in, and there's nobody else that's been doing this in the States. So we're the, we're the first to do that. That's just, we just finished that this week. So that's a pretty exciting thing. Um, so, you know, I think it's just trying to figure out all these different things, but you, you got so many awesome guests on your, on your, uh, on your, on your show. I'm, I'm surprised so many people want to slum with me, but, um, it's true, right, Jim? I'm not, I don't think I'm making this up. I think, uh, no, no, you're not, you know, it's it, absolutely it, true. the episodes where you've joined us have been, um, some more of our, our higher rated ones. Well, thanks. Well, it's fun talking to you guys and, and I, I'll do it again as soon as you ask me. So, you know, whatever. And what's so funny is none of us have ever met and we've spoken more on this <laughs> podcast than we yeah. ever have in real life. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know if it's because I, I just have always loved the show that I just feel like I know you guys, but, um, anyway, it's pretty easy to do. I'm going to have another tear here. <laughs> <laughs> cool. But, uh, it was awesome having you and uh you know yeah definitely we'll uh we'll, we'll have you back for for another one good thanks guys cool. appreciate it yeah, thank, thank you. you all right thank you
you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.